Well, we're going to continue in our series that we've been looking at called Unhealthy. And this has really just been an effort to become a better version of me and for you or yourself to be able to grow and become really who God wants you to be. The truth is all of us struggle with health in our lives, different areas of health. It could be emotional, could be mental, could be relational health that you're challenged with in this season. You could be struggling with financial health right now. And uh, today we're going to be talking about what it means to live with physical health. Now, let me just say this right out of the gate. I get it that you hear physical health. This is not something that is lighting your fire. You're not like, yes, Jesus, come on. This is what I wanted to hear today. Tell me about how bad I should feel that I'm not signed up to go to the gym. No, this is not going to be a beat you up Sunday. But I do want to make sure that we stop and we look and say, I realize if I'm going to be healthy, it's going to encompass all of the aspects of my life. Let me ask you a question. When I say the name LeBron James, how many of you know who I'm talking about? Come on, raise your hand right now if you know I'm talking about. Come on, watch it online. Just do that. Look, if you're watching online, don't watch by yourself. Click share if you would right now. Just click share and invite somebody to be there with you. We love our online campus so much here at People's Church. And so, hey, if you have never heard the name LeBron James, I don't know where you've been living. All right, so I don't want to get super, like, controversial right now. I'm not trying to bring division into the service, but I am curious. Anybody think that LeBron truly is the GOAT? You think he's the greatest player in NBA history? Anybody in here, you think that? Anybody watching online, you think that? A few people? Several people? All right, there are a few. Some of y'all right now are typing in the chat right now, Michael Jordan. That is what you're putting right there, see? And, and, and young people today, they're just like, is that the tennis shoe dude? Is that, is that it is? Like, yes. <laughs> You know, I was thinking about LeBron James. Specifically, I was thinking about all I have in common with LeBron James. Now, hold on. Just, just listen, hear me out for just a moment. I, I, I wanted to make a list of all the things that I have in common with LeBron James. And I couldn't think of any. So what I did instead was I wrote down... Five things that you and I likely don't have in common with LeBron. Okay, so let me, let me tell you five things. Uh, number one, you and I probably didn't go straight from high school to the NBA like he did. Okay, let's just acknowledge that we don't have that in common. Some of us dreamed that we would, we thought we would, and then reality happened. All right, here's the second one. You probably aren't. 6'9", 250 pounds of pure muscle like he is. I mean, just something I don't have in common with LeBron. Some of you are like, I don't know, Scott. Listen, the screens just make me look like that. Okay, I know you're thinking, but I'm not quite. Okay, but anyway, number three. You and I probably haven't won two Olympic gold medals like LeBron has. Number four. You and I probably won't be playing tonight for our fourth NBA championship like LeBron is. These are things we don't have in common with LeBron. I don't know what was on your schedule tonight, but I know what's on his. But anyway, number five, and finally, you and I probably don't have the exercise routine and the diet that LeBron has. Now, would you think about that one for just a second? Because all of the, the first four, I'm just like, man, I don't stand a chance. I can't do any of those things. But if you said, man, what if you could exercise like him and eat like him? I'm like, okay, all right, tell me about it. What is it that he does? 
And then I hear it, I'm like, yep, I just can't relate to LeBron. Like, I can't even eat like the man. I can't exercise like the man. But the truth is that all that he does, he sees his approach to his craft as a holistic approach. It's not merely that he's a gifted, talented athlete. It's that he is 100% committed and intentional to being the absolute best that he can be. And that, my friend, is something that you and I totally can understand and totally can attain. I can be intentional. I can be committed to being the very best me that I can be. And we think about this overall subject of health and, and how it's impossible to compartmentalize it. I can't say, well, I may not be healthy physically, but at least I'm strong spiritually. Listen, especially for those of, those of us in the church, we've got to be so careful that we don't hide behind just our church going and, and our religious experience and our worship to where we miss out on the significance and the role that physical health plays in our lives. As a matter of fact, your overall health is the sum total of your mental health, your intellectual health, your, men your emotional health, your relational health, your financial health, and your physical health. All of that comes together to make you healthy or to struggle with health. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm not strong physically, but I am spiritual. Some people say, well, I may not be strong spiritually, but... But I'm rich. Listen, it's good if you're financially healthy. That's great. But that's not going to be so great when you stand before God one day on judgment day. Can I get a witness right now? You're like, hey, Lord, I'll give you 100. He's like, my streets are made of gold. I mean, it just doesn't affect him. So we've got to look at it and see that we cannot compartmentalize our health. Your physical health is going to affect your overall health. We saw this a couple of weeks ago in the story of Elijah. Remember when Pastor Herbert preached on Elijah? Specifically, he preached on a message on how to be emotionally healthy. And I'd like to go back to Elijah's story just for a minute before we get to the bulk of what we'll talk about today. Just want to talk about Elijah again for a minute because not only do we get a glimpse into his emotional health, but we get a little bit of insight into his physical condition as well. You may remember from the story, Elijah, this prophet, this man of God, comes up to have this, this showdown at sundown with the prophets, the false prophets of Baal. Baal's a false god, and Elijah's calling them out and goes toe-to-toe -to -toe and said, let's call out to our gods, and whoever answers by fire, he is the one true God. And so prophets of Baal are calling out. Baal doesn't say anything. Baal doesn't do anything. That's because Baal wasn't anything, right? But then Elijah calls out to the one true God, Fire falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. It was dramatic. It was sensational. And how many of you would say when you can call down fire from heaven, you're probably fairly spiritually healthy? Come on, can we just agree to that right now? Like, I don't know what you've done lately for Jesus, but when you can call down fire from heaven, I'd say your spiritual life is probably pretty strong. He was on a spiritual high but as we saw in his life, that did not ex exempt him from emotional struggle. And as we look at his story just a little bit closer, I believe that we can see how he was overall with his physical health 
as well. When you come to chapter 18 of 1 Kings, and, and we're not going to look at it in depth, but let me just give you a quick summary of what he was going through physically. In, first, in verse 30, it says he repaired the altar of the Lord. Verse 31 says he went and he gathered 12 stones. He didn't tell somebody else to repair the altar. He didn't have somebody else to bring the stones. He's getting it ready. He's going to grab a stone, another stone, another stone. It says he built an altar with the stones in verse 32, and he dug a trench around the altar. Verse 33, he got wood and arranged it for a fire. Then it says, then he cut the bull into pieces. You ever cut up a bull into pieces? Come on, listen, this is something to where he is exerting some energy. I don't even know how you do that. Verse 42 says that he climbed a mountain. Verse 46 said that he ran 17 miles to Jezreel. A few verses later, it says he ran 100 miles to Beersheba. Some of y'all hadn't run 100 miles in your lifetime. So you look at all that Elijah is doing, and by the time we catch up with Elijah in chapter 19, the brother is worn out. Look at what it says in verse 4 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings. It says, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. He's not only, after this spiritual experience, this spiritual high, and all of this physical exertion of energy, he's not only battling emotional struggle and battling with depression. He's not only running in fear, but now he's struggling with fatigue. He's spent. He's exhausted. He's tapping out. Have you ever been there before? Come on, have you ever been at the end of your day and just thought, today, I've given all I can give to today. If somebody asks me one more question, especially if you've got small kids, you're just like, mm-mm, I'm not, mm-mm, I don't even know you. you know, at the end of your day, you're so, you know what I've discovered? This is a theological truth. I'm sure of it. It is impossible to be super sleepy and super spiritual at the same time. You can't do it. It is impossible. You want to see somebody acting demonic? Get them really, really sleepy. It's like, come out, legion, for they are many. Because it's hard to be super spiritual when you're super sleepy. Now, it's interesting to me, God's remedy for Elijah. He could have done anything. But look what he does to minister to Elijah's health and his need. It says, after we just read whatnot in, in verse 4 about coming and sitting on the, under the broom bush that he would die, it says in verse 5, he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And then it says, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. This is so practical. This is so common. This is such a contrast from the sensationalism of calling down fire from heaven. And now he's tired. He's, he's discouraged. He's depleted. He's exhausted. And instead of something that's like grand or magnificent, God responds by saying, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get a little something to eat and take a nap. Can I get a witness right there? Some of you are like, yes, yes. 
and amen. And that's what I'm going to do this afternoon. Some of you just receive that right there. Get a little something to eat and take a nap. After some sleep, after some food, he's no longer wanting to die. He's back in the game and ready to roll. I believe that God gives this portion of scripture and story of Elijah for us in our Bible to read, not only because he used it to help Elijah, but I believe he wants to use it to help us. Specifically, I think he wants us to make the connection that there is a direct link to our physical health and our spiritual health. Let me quickly give you three introductory thoughts of what I'm meaning by that. Just, just quick three uh, things here that I'm talking about. Number one be this, your physical health is a spiritual priority. Your physical health should be, must be, a spiritual priority. Listen to the way John writes it in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy, look what it says, in body as you are strong in spirit. John is making the connection of spiritual health to to physical health, and he says they are not only not independent of one another, they are connected to one another. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Somebody say, do it all. Come on, shout, do it all. Look, he's not saying do some of it, a lot of it, a good bit of it. He says, do all of it for the glory of God. Look what he says, whether you eat or you drink, or what are you, he doesn't say when you're worshiping, when you're singing, when you're going to church, let that be for the glory of God. He says, even with the stuff that you're eating and drinking, let all of this be for the glory of God. Why? Because if you're going to be healthy and strong in life, your physical health must be a spiritual priority. Second thought, number two is this, your physical health is a part of your spiritual worship. Your physical health is actually a part of your spiritual worship. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, what does it say? Honor God with your bodies. Don't just honor God with your words. Don't just honor God with your prayers, but honor God with your bodies. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of God? Back in the Old Testament, the temple was where you would go to worship God. It represented the place where God's glory, his presence would dwell. But as followers of Jesus, those who have asked him to be king of our hearts and Lord of our lives, he comes in and lives inside of us. And he says, your body becomes my temple. And he wants us to honor him and honor his temple by the way we care for these bodies. The opposite would be true as well. If we can honor it, how many of you know when we don't care, take care of our bodies, when we aren't treating it the way that we should, we are dishonoring the temple of God. If you drove by the road and you saw somebody trashing your church, you saw somebody just, just vandalizing, do it, you'd say, that is God's house. What are you doing? But oftentimes we do that to our bodies. Let me give you a third thought. It's this. Your physical health will affect your spiritual impact. Your physical health will affect your spiritual impact. There's no way around it. How you care for your body will directly affect what you can accomplish 
in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, it says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Man, when you look at athletes, baseball players, basketball, football, whatever, uh, track stars, man, the stuff that they do, the habits that they form, the disciplines that they embrace, the way they guard so carefully what they eat and what they drink and, and, and how they get their rest, all of this so that they can win an earthly prize. And Paul is saying, listen, you've got to care for the way you spin your body because your body will impact the kind of spiritual encounter or the kind of spiritual service you'll be able to enjoy think about that for just a moment you cannot do any of God's spiritual work apart from your body it's connected you can't be so spiritual and so churchy and so into religion to we ignore caring for the temple caring for our bodies but we just say oh I'm just so spiritual Paul is saying your physical health will impact your spiritual service to the Lord why? Because everywhere you go, you're going to take you with you. Whatever you do, it's going to be a part of what you're doing. Ever, you ever heard anybody say the phrase before, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it, but I'll be there in spirit. You ever heard anybody say that before? What they really mean is, I ain't going to be there. That's what they just told you. <laughs> because if somebody says, I'm going to be there in spirit, that means I'm not coming. That's what that means. Because if they're going to be there, then they're going to have to show up and be there, right? Paul is saying, listen, when it comes to doing the work of the Lord, you're going to bring you with where, to do whatever you do. You've got to take care of your body. And the devil knows if he can't talk you out of caring for others, loving your church, wanting to make a difference, then he'll switch attack to knocking you out physically so you cannot carry out those desires of impacting spiritually. I'm not talking about going to the gym eight days a week, 25 hours a day, becoming a bodybuilder, supermodel, or eating Brussels sprouts or whatever. I'm talking about prioritizing your health. Because the reality is there are some people today who aren't doing what God created them to do. They aren't doing what God has called them to do. And the simple reason they aren't is because they physically aren't able to do it. They're too tired. They're too stressed. They're too sick. Now listen, not everybody who's sick is because they're in sin. And not everybody who's sick and unable to go and do something is because they made some type of poor choice or, or did something to put them in that uh, position or situation. That is not always the case. There are some people who are battling with physical issues that they never asked for, they never signed up for, they didn't do anything to deserve. They're just having to live with it and deal with it and praying for God to help them. But for way too many of us, as much as we like to blame it on the devil... It has more to do with our diet. And God is just saying, listen, when it comes to doing spiritual work, sometimes we need to quit rebuking the devil and just watch what we're eating. Like it's as simple as that. And so if God is speaking to you today, you've got to look at that and think, am I willing to do something about it? You should because our families are depending on us. 
We will feel better. We will work better. I'll be a better dad. Perhaps you'll be a better husband, better wife. Your children are depending on you. Your grandchildren want you to be around. Your church family is counting on you. You owe it to the kingdom of God to say, my body's not my own. Lord, this is your temple I want to care for. Question for you. Do we really want to be healthy? Like, for real, want to be healthy. Because if you just said, Scotty, do you want to be healthy? I would say, yes. I want to eat whatever I want to eat, and then I want God to heal me and deliver me of everything that I just ate so I can walk in health and prosperity in Jesus' name. Like, that's what I want. I want to be able to just do whatever I want to do, whatever I want to do, however I want to do it. And then I want to pray that God would save me from the consequences of my choices and my habits and my decisions. So in that sense, asking me the question, do I really want to be healthy? The real answer is, how do I live my life? I think that it's interesting when you come to the book of John. This is in the Bible. It's in the New Testament, the book of John. There's a guy who has been sick in his body, crippled for 38 years, and and Jesus comes upon this this individual. And it's really interesting because you've got a guy who's who's sick and he's broken in body, and you've you've got the creator in flesh becoming creator, right, coming, and he has all power. He can do anything that he wants to do. And here's this guy who's broken, and Jesus says to him, John chapter 5 and verse 6, do you want to get well? Can we just be honest? Sometimes Jesus can ask some questions. You want to, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. The man, come on, that, that's not even funny, Jesus. Come on. The man's crippled right here. He can't move, and you're going to come up and say, do you want to be better? Do you want to get healed? But Jesus, we know he's always thinking on a different, deeper level, right? So he's not saying to him, hey, do you, do you like pain? Do you like to hurt? Do you, uh, do you enjoy not being able to walk? What he's saying is, have you so embraced the lifestyle of the brokenness or the victim mentality or this mindset of why you need people to help you to where you've become so familiar with that? Are you sure you're ready for the change that will occur in your life. And I really believe that sometimes God says to us, do you really want to be, oh, yes, Lord, healing, healthy, help me, Lord, deliver me, a miracle in my body, oh, God. Do you really want to be healthy? Yes, Lord. Like enough to actually exercise? Lord, when you say exercise, do you? (laughs) Am I speaking truth today? God wants us physically healthy and strong. Last year, I was uh, around the summertime, started having heart palpitations. I'd never had heart palpitations before, but I had heard about them. I started having some heart palpitations. I was like, man, that's weird. And uh, I started getting a little worried about that. So I thought, I better go to the doctor. I went to the doctor and he said, do you have this symptom? I'm like, nope. Do you have this symptom? I'm like, nope. Do you have this symptom? Nope. You know, and all, all these different things. And, and so then he's like, uh, I mean, I, I think that you're probably okay. I think it's probably stress-related. And I'm like, I'm too blessed to be stressed. He's like, well, not according to your heart. So anyway, he's like, you, you just need to, you need to pay attention. And, and so I said, so you think I'm okay? He said, yeah, I think that you're okay. So I'm about to take a, a, a trip to go and speak at an event and, and, and travel and be out of state. Do you think that it's smart for me to go? And he said, yeah, I think that you'll be fine. So I go on this trip. And then I got there. And then that morning I, I was in the hotel room. And instead of just having palpitations, now I'm starting to have other symptoms. 
And so now I'm just wondering, is this real? Like, I mean, because, you know, how many of you know, like, when somebody puts something in your head, right? Like, don't even go on the Internet, like, because you, like, you weren't going to have a heart attack. Now you are, you know, because you went on the Internet. But, you know, somebody say something like, man, is your ear hurting? You're like, nope. Yeah, actually, all of a sudden, because it's in your head, you know, so I was kind of wondering if that's what I was doing. I was like, am I short of breath? I think, you know, now that I think, I'm like, I think I kind of am. And I was like, man, I don't know if that's just me, you know, if it's just what. So I went about my day. And as I'm going through the day, my chest started getting a little bit tight. And I was like, man, that's crazy. That's so weird. Then I was, I was sitting down talking with these pastors, and I started having this sharp pain in my back. And I'm like, man, am I making this up? Like, what is going on? As I was talking to these guys, I started losing my train of thought. Like, I couldn't focus on what I was saying. And I just remember looking at them saying, hey, can you, uh, can you take me to the hospital right quick? And so they got me in the car. They took me to the hospital. Uh, spoiler alert. I lived, so everything worked out fine. All right, I just want to let you know. I, some of y'all are like, did he make it? I made it. Everything was okay everything's all right, made it. But I tell that story because it's kind of interesting. At one point when the doctor was just talking to me about how, you know, you need to pay attention, you need to do this, you know, and make sure you, as he's saying it, he said, you know, it's crazy. He said, you'd be shocked how many people come this close to death. And they'll come in scared. They'll come in afraid. They'll talk about, I can't die. My wife, my kids. He said, they'll just get this close to death. And he said, and then we'll just tell them, you're going to need to change your diet. You're going to need to start exercising. You're going to need it. And, you give, and they'll look at that and go, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. It's like you'd be shocked. And I thought, you know what? That is so sad, but so true. I think that's why Jesus says, do you really want to be healthy? I took the bulk of this message. I'm just going to give you some closing points of application in just a minute. But I gave you the bulk of it. I wanted you to see the connection to our physical health and our spiritual health. I wanted us to see that God does care deeply about this. That the way we care for our bodies is a way that we express worship for God. And so I want to ask you, do you really want to be healthy? And if you are, it may be simpler than then you would even realize there are just some specific steps that you can take. You don't, you don't have to master it overnight, but what if we just did the plain things? Number one, it'd be this, to eat healthy. I mean, a lot of times people think when the doctor says eat less McDonald's, that means eat more Taco Bell. That's not what the doctor's saying. And as much as I love food, my desire to honor my God is greater than my love for food. He wants me to manage my diet, not to be mastered by it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But Paul says, but not everything is good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, Paul says, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Paul says, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go to heaven. Anybody ready for your heavenly body, your glorified body? You know, when you start feeling some, some aches and some pains, and the older you get, the longer they stay, and the more you feel them, you just think, oh, I can't wait for my heavenly body. But until then, God has given us one body. 
to care for. And he says, I want you to be careful what you feed it because it's going to affect how you function with it. He says, yeah, you might be able to do a lot of things, but instead, why don't you just say, I'm going to cut back on some junk food. I'm going to stop eating when I've had enough instead of continuing to go just because we have more. What if we do simple things like I'm going to drink water instead of something that's so sugared and and so unhealthy? What if we just take small steps of change, get friends to help you do it with your small group? What if we said, God, I really mean it when I say I give you all of me, and I'll demonstrate that by the way I care for your temple? Well, there's a second thing. Number two is this. Not only watch our diet and eat wisely, but number two, get some exercise. Get some exercise. I mean... You know, we, we all are professional excuse makers, aren't we? I mean, some of us are like, the reason I don't go to the gym and work out is because it's so hard to find a close parking spot. Come on, think about that. You can't, you can't act like that. You know, I heard about a man who, who was jogging one day and had a heart attack, and I'm just trying to be healthy and avoid a heart attack. So I'm not going to go. i got kids depending on me. I can't go out there jogging and fall over dead. Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. It's, again, a connection. It's not saying physical training is not important. Actually, he's not saying that we should make physical fitness our God. But he's acknowledging the benefit that comes from being fit. How many of you have ever, like maybe you bought some exercise equipment, maybe you bought a, a, a treadmill, or maybe you bought a, um, a, a, an exercise bike, or a, a jump rope, thigh master, come on, something, just wave at me. Anybody you ever bought that? And for some of us, it turns into this. Some of y'all, when you came in today, like there's probably some dude that looked at his wife and said, hey, man, he, he brought our clothes rack to church. How did he get that? Did he ask you if we could borrow that? He just, we get it and it becomes like this. And it's good intentions and we mean well. But you know what we got to do is realize that we've allowed things that are excuses to get on and to cover up what we should be getting on and taking advantage of. And I'm just asking you today, like, what if... You just took some small steps, and you just did some things to say, I'm going to get back in the game. I'm going to do what I can to take a walk, ride a bike, get my heart rate up, just remove excuses. Third, and finally, number three is this, rest well. Rest well. You know, when I was looking up all that stuff on LeBron and finding out about his exercise program and whatnot, one of the interviews, it stated, that uh, on average, LeBron sleeps 12 hours a day. And some of y'all are like, hello, that is exactly why I've been saying for years I sleep the way I do. Let me just say there's probably a little distinction between somebody who sleeps to like 10, 30, 11 and like just trying to be like LeBron. No, you, you probably didn't get up at four like he did. All right, and all of this is so, I don't know how regular that is for him, but I do know this. The point was he valued rest and recovery. 
So he's very careful about what came into his body. He's very careful about how he rested his body. Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 through 11, God really cares about how we rest our bodies as well. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Why do you think that God created everything in six days and then on the seventh day he rested? If your answer is because he was tired, that's the wrong answer. God doesn't get tired. There is no limit to his energy. There is no limit to his stamina. There's no limit to God. Listen, he, he is, he is self-sustaining. I mean, he just, he recharges as he goes. You're like, then why would he rest on the seventh day? Not for his benefit, but for yours and mine. He wanted to show us, he wanted to teach us that the way that we are wired, the way he created us, is that for six days we would work, but then one out of seven, we would rest. And if you're going to be physically healthy, which means you're going to, you have a desire to be healthy in all of your life, you're going to have to pay attention to God's plan for your health. Whenever we decide, God, you did a fantastic job creating the universe, but I think you might need my help on what's best for me and my productivity, that's a scary place to be. But a lot of us, that's what we do when we don't take a day off, we don't unplug, we don't rest, we don't recreate. We're saying, God, whatever it is about my life that you have for me, I have something different. Or Lord, I'm doing all of this for you, I just feel like the way that I need to do it is a better idea than the way that you told me to do it. And both places are dangerous ground. God wants us to unplug. And if your idea of a day off means that you don't go to work, you stay home and you work from home, that's still not off. It means no work calls, no texting business, no sitting in front of the laptop. Unplug. Worship God. Thank him for being in control. Say, thank you, Lord, for sending a Savior so that I don't have to be my own Savior today. Thank you for providing for me so that I don't have to worry and stress about provision. Thank you, Lord, for being in control so I don't feel like I have to be in control of every hour, every day, every minute. Just push, 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 push. Thank you, Lord, that today I can rest. Listen, friends, as I get ready to wrap up, if you don't take a break from your schedule, your schedule is going to break you. Rest, trust in the Lord. Some people are struggling in their families and the reason is because their schedules are so full and so out of whack, they can't spend quality time with their family. When there is a window of opportunity, they're physically spent, no energy to give. That's not honoring to God. Some people can't discover their purpose and make a difference because they're so stressed, they're so maxed out. Like you hear of opportunities to serve or something that God's touching your heart to do and all you can think of are the reasons why you can't do it because you're so overloaded, you're so overwhelmed, that's not honoring to God. Your schedule will show you what's important to you. 
make sure that you're telling your time where to go, not vice versa. Let me say this. I want you to hear this. When it comes to your physical health, no weapon formed against you will prosper. I want you to hear that. When it comes to your physical health, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Hear this. When it comes to you living out the days on this earth that God has created for you, no man, no attack, no car wreck, no bullet, nothing can cut your life short. You will fulfill the days that God has ordained for you. But listen, while Satan can't stop you, you can. And many do. By cutting off days of their lives, years of their lives. Not because the devil was after you but because we just didn't give our bodies to the Lord as temples. Rest. Get some exercise. Eat healthy. Just manage it. Don't let it master you. I'm going to pray for you today, and just before we do, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet if you would, and we're going to come into this song. What a powerful name it is, and here's why. As I'm talking today, I get it that there may be some of you in here, and you're going, Scotty, I wish I could get over this eating habit. But the truth is, it's, a, it's an addiction to food. Maybe some of you are like, man, as much as I try to get healthy, as much as I try to watch what I eat, man, it's just like a stronghold in my life. I want you to know everything that I'm talking about today, God would not ask you to do it if he was not willing and committed to helping you to do it and to be successful in it. You don't have to think that you have to do it on your own. God is with you and God is for you. If you need the discipline to get on track and to start exercising more, to get rest well, God will help you. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God's strength is powerful. There's powerful, there's power in the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands all over this room? If you just need God's help, say, God, I want to live a life that's healthy to you. I want to give my body to you. Would you call on the name of Jesus and know that he's greater than, he's stronger than, he's more powerful than anything that we'll ever encounter. You can do it. You will do it. In Jesus' name, God will help you. Come on, lift your voice to the Lord and let's just worship Him and let's just thank Him that His is the name that's above all names.